doing we're not doing very well <laughs> i would say uh i think it's it's yeah the 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 air of like confusion and weirdness i think is kind of more or less global or like in the in the western mm. countries anyway like it's the same here like no one knows what they're meant to do or what's going to happen and everyone's just kind of forgot it even really existed <laughs> like yeah <laughs> it's like I can only pay attention to one thing for two yeah, three yeah, months yeah. max. There's yeah. a there's a different thing now. So <laughs> Yeah. If I haven't finished a book I'm reading in that amount of time, I'm probably not gonna finish it. So like same yeah. attitude toward a global pandemic. <laughs> Welcome to The Schmism, uh, a breakup podcast. This is the show that, you know, the same show as it was last time you listened to it, uh, where I research a split, a separation somewhere in history, and then I call up a friend and talk to them about it. Um, today on the show, I've got Maddie down in Melbourne talking to us. Hi, Maddie. Hey, what's up? Hey. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I used to, I lived behind the shop in a room behind the shop that Maddie runs in uh, Brunswick, Victoria. That's in Australia, for people who don't know, um, for a few months, been. about a year ago. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> you lived in the hovel behind my shop. Kind of like yeah. a like a Harry Potter boy under the staircase situation. <laughs> How big was your room? Your room? Slightly your larger than the Harry Potter cabinet. Um. Yeah. Yeah, not by a lot though. Hey, maybe like an extra yeah, if, two or three feet. Yeah, there was room to like take two steps, and then there was the bed. It was. Uh, it was the it was the best one though, right? Of all the the tiny rooms, it got the most sunlight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the direct view. I mean, I think at the time I didn't really want the sunlight because I was just like sleeping till <laughs> three p.m. and then. Um, oh, you should find enough with, money to get drunk. <laughs> just walk to that room that has the the window that looks into the rest of the house you know and gets yeah. no natural sunlight <laughs> yeah we're, we're adrian the was there. <laughs> so, yeah that's right adrian was there <laughs> yeah the, the maltese are still adrian. around there right hello adrian yeah they are i think i don't know i don't know what they're i don't know what's happening with those guys i think a lot of them were maybe scheduled to leave the country but oh you know, well, just because well, were... like they couldn't do like farm work or whatever other thing, like the visa extension stuff, kind of got canned. Um, oh yeah, temporarily. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, but I I don't know. I think maybe like I don't know if you haven't met Reb, but she's like leaving later. Yeah, I think Adrian because he's a genius in the computing uh, zone is maybe just staying forever. I don't know. I think we want him. I think we need him. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the, they were never. Um ones to obey the the laws if i if i remember correctly um, no so i wouldn't be surprised if any of them overstayed yeah. walking shopping trolleys full of groceries out of woolworths without paying <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and uh, all the uber the uber cheats um, uber cheats <laughs> i introduced that concept to my parents once and they were just like a little bit appalled at uh yeah <laughs> like, yeah but with... i'm sure they went away thinking <laughs> fucking hell that's genius two hours later yeah anyway okay so getting to the topic for the day 
Right, um, right. So we're going to talk about some old Australian politics history stuff that could oh, be nice. super boring. Um, it, it could also be pretty interesting. Uh, it depends this on is, this is my forte. I'm, I'm... <laughs> Good. No, um, it's not. <laughs> okay. Uh, do you know? Do you any? Yeah. How is how is history education in in Victoria? Is it? <laughs> Um, do you remember anything from it? <laughs> I I can't speak for for everybody, definitely. But I went to like a Catholic primary school and then an all girls Catholic high school, where I don't think history even ran as a subject. I think they they didn't have the numbers oh, nice. <laughs> to make up <laughs> a history class or like an economics class, maybe even like a legal studies class. But yeah. home economics was split into like three different subjects in my school, so <laughs> uh, oh, that, that's great. maybe that maybe that that should tell you <laughs> what you need to know about uh, for everyone or just for the students. just for the female students. There were only female students there. There just oh, okay. wasn't a huge. There wasn't a massive. Um, let's uh, let's let's learn useful information kind of drive in my school it was just like let's mm -hmm. do the subject where you cook food because that sounds easy yeah i feel like uh, americans are often think that they have like once they start to learn actual history often think mm -hmm. like oh our country has the worst history education and yeah. then you learn about the uk and australia and you're like oh no this is just a, a universal thing in, in yeah English. yeah the former British Empire that uh, yeah, none yeah. of us like to learn about all of the awful things that led us to where we are. Oh, they um, don't even fucking teach that in our schools. It's nothing about the awful things. It's just like a boat came and then suddenly it was only <laughs> white people. And we, they just we get a bit of like, we get like, there were these ancient tribes that disappeared mysteriously and like some of yeah. them didn't and they're still here. Um, but yeah. The, the best you get here is like an education that's like they're sort of magic people who didn't believe in property and were always good and never did anything wrong and and we were right. you know and like it just doesn't like it doesn't like allow them to be like people really it's like doesn't acknowledge that there was like mm. a war that happened you know it's just like yeah if only we could Absolutely. go back to the pocahontas world beforehand oh well we can't mm. time to not think about it anymore savage. And you've been so many places, I guess it must be so. But still I cannot see, if the savage one is me. How can there be so much that you don't know? Um. It's, yeah, it's, it's kind of the same here. There's like this kind of like, they push this whole kind of narrative that like, you know, like Aboriginal people here just like didn't fight back and they were like nomadic and disorganized and everything. But like in reality, there was like a 40 year long war or something like that, you know, yeah. which is like longer than I've been alive. Like it's fucking ages. And there was loads of pushback and there was a whole thing that happened, but they just don't talk about that because I guess they're pushing some agenda that like, you know. Yeah. They're the superior race, obviously. This official policy is called pacification by force um well i think both well both the whole white australia policy and i think potentially the catholic primary school that you went to or might show up in this uh in in today's subject right. um Ooh, all right so we're, we're talking about the 1955 australian labor party 
uh, divide. Um, so, or it says here, uh, or a brief history of social democratic politics in Australia. Um, starting with, I'm going to have a quote from Arthur Caldwell from 1972. Um, I didn't write down who that was. I think he was a prime minister. Um, sure. I can get away with sure saying that. that. In my experience, <laughs> no Australians know any of their prime ministers. So I, I have no idea. <laughs> Sounds right. Sounds like a name. Yeah. Uh, the quote is, uh, so, I have witnessed three disastrous splits in Australian Labor Par- in the Australian Labor Party during the past 56 years. The first split occurred in 1916 over the conscription in World War I, the second in 1931 over the, the Premier's plan for economic recovery in the Great Depression, and the third in 1955 over alleged communist infiltration of the trade union movement. The last was the worst of the three because the party has not yet healed the wounds that resulted from it. A little teaser intro. Mm. Um, so I'm going to kind of break this into, th- into two b- sections. First, I'm going to do like a kind of overview history of the Australian Labor Party um, mm-hmm. that I'll try to rush through, even though it's somewhat interesting. And then we'll talk about this like 1955 event. Um, cool. So starting Australian Labor Party, when it was first founded, their definition of themselves is so the Australian is, quote, the Australian Labor Party is a democratic socialist party and has the objective of the democratic socialization of industry, production, distribution, and exchange to the extent necessary to eliminate exploitation and other antisocial features in these fields. Um, so that like, sounds pretty good. It's a good, good goal to set. Eliminate exploitation. Yeah. Socialize. Sounds like they, um, they got everything. on the right foot. Yeah. Um, they later... They're all good things. Uh, yeah, post the split that we're going to talk about, they added um, maintenance and support uh, for a competitive, non-monopolistic private sector and the right to own private property to that uh, mission statement. So They sound, they sound a, bit, a bit shitter and vague. Yeah, <laughs> yeah a little <laughs> less good. Um, but, but hey. <laughs> uh, Let's see uh, where it took him. Yeah, okay, so um, in us, labor politics in Australia, labor unions in Australia, like they became a bigger factor and more of a political force in Australia mm-hmm. than they did in the US or the UK, like earlier on. Um, in the UK, it wasn't until the 1920s that there was a labor party. And in the United States, we had a socialist party for like one election and then it went away. Right. Um, back in 1912, we had a socialist party. They uh, didn't win and then it disappeared. Um, <laughs> Wow, what a dream. Yeah. It would be nice if, <laughs> if that sort of thing happened now. <laughs> oh, if this party's just disappeared after they didn't win? If you don't win, you just disappear and they have to make a new one with like a whole new set of different rules and people. Oh, that would be great. Be I'm chaotic. entirely... I honestly, like, as much as people are like, oh, cancel culture and like purges, whatever, like, we could use a few. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so there's a, there's a lot of reasons that uh, labor politics caught on in Australia more than the U.S. or U.K. Um, part of it, yeah. I mean, the main one is that uh, more people, there are fewer people in Australia, and so a higher mm-hmm. percentage of the population are workers, are like doing manual labor, like criminals. miners, dock workers, yeah, criminals, um, <laughs> s- swindlers, petty thieves, um, all these things. Uh, yeah, miners, dock workers, small farmers, um, in general, which which means that like, 
in a place like the U.S., where you have a huge population and a constant influx of immigrants, um, yeah. if someone says, hey, I'm not going to work in your mine for the awful wages you're paying me, you say, all right, fuck off, I'll get someone else. Yeah. But in Australia, like, what are you going to, like, you're building the railroad station, and it's like, uh, the bricklayers don't want to do it. And you're like, well, I'll send off for more bricklayers. They'll be here in three months, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. We're going to get the yeah. other bricklayer crew from Western Australia to <laughs> rickshaw to down. Di to yeah. die in the desert on their way over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're on foot, so. <laughs> oh, gosh. Or they're, or they're sailing across the bight, like, in the like 1830s or whatever. Like, I, I don't No safe way to get anywhere back then, I don't think. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's, that's, that, were there trains? Are they, are they like, like, I don't, I don't know. Had they, had they got started on train? I'm talking like got started. Bones. I don't, I don't know when they connected the Indian Pacific across, but it, it definitely wasn't until, it probably wasn't until like the 1910s or 20s that they connected that all the way across. Like, what reason do you have to go to Perth until like at least the 1920s, right? Um. <laughs> what reason do you have to go to Perth now in the present day? <laughs> Some might say I've never been to Perth. I shouldn't say that. That's me. Yeah. Oh, did you, I was there was ask. this. There's yeah. this hilarious thing going. Just tiny side note. There's this hilarious thing going on at the moment because like they've just kind of like started opening up the borders of like states here, so you can go and travel to other states except um south australia um won't open the border to victoria and so like the, <laughs> the victorian premier was just like who wants to fucking go to south australia anyway now there's this like really lame fucking infight going on between south australia and victoria it's just pathetic Fuck, anyway man, i get i get advertisements to visit south australia here all the time really yeah God. they're like come to australia's wine country and, oh shit! Maybe they're targeting like, you guys for a specific reason. They flooded all of us with advertisements to visit Australia back in January and February, after the fires. Um, oh, because they're like, and it was like just these ads are like, "Come to South Australia." It didn't all burn <laughs> down, you know. It's like, start your holiday in Adelaide and get closer to the real Australia. <laughs> didn't all burn down. <laughs> We've still got plenty of wine. That's insane. We never get any targeted ads here in Victoria. Maybe there's way more of a fucking thing going on than what I thought. Like, maybe we're yeah. just like rivals. I don't know. They seem kind of cool. <laughs> they say church. You... I mean, not church. They say um, plant instead of plant. So, oh, wow. There's, there... South Australia is like slightly more British, like slightly more posh. Right. Yeah. It's like a church state. That's what everybody calls it. Like there's lots oh, okay. of churches there and they and they're posh. They say plant instead of plant and castle instead of castle. And they plant. like didn't have slavery or whatever. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they didn't have any slavery there. Yeah. None. Yeah, well <laughs> Zero no, slavery. No, no criminal transportation, no slavery. Just like no, yeah. we, we actually over everyone's that. heads. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was amazing seeing Scott Morrison say that there was <laughs> no slavery yeah. in Australia. But there was no slavery in Australia. Oh, I understand that there's problems in the US, but we didn't have slavery here in Australia. Yeah, we <laughs> famously avoided slavery here. <laughs> Radical. 
<laughs> just amazing. Um, mm. But I can't say that any of our leaders know more about our history either. So, um, yeah, we we just can't really hold them to too high a standard. I mean, if I don't know about Australia's history, why should Scott Morrison, the Prime Minister? I don't know because he's in charge. History. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. It's a bit rich of me to be. Anyway. Yeah, I feel like I know. Oh, I, I definitely know more about Australian history than Scott Morrison does. Yeah, yeah how's that? <laughs> <laughs> it's so. It's very strange to think. Like, I don't know more about China than Xi Jinping or something. Like, I don't know more about the history of most countries than the person in charge of them. But the U.S. Yeah, and Australia. We do things a little differently here. Yeah. <laughs> it's just not a priority. Yeah. And that's funny. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, and there's, like, less of a, a length to it, too. So, like, I feel like in the U.K., even though their history is bad, people kind of know it because there's a lot of it. Um, but yeah anyway you can you can um, sum it up in like a couple of like kings and queens australian history what have you what could you sum it like brutality and criminals <laughs> american yeah, they haven't history had... just... <laughs> yeah american history is a it's a it's a rough time especially it's now like a no comment but... yeah <laughs> you see in many ways our two nations are quite similar um okay so so getting back to the topic at hand um mm -hmm. There's a lot. Another uh, aspect to the like labor movements within Australia in the in, like mid 19th century, right, 1850s or so, is that there's a lot of Irish people being brought there, you know, as as criminals yeah. for the crime mm -hmm. of being Irish. Um, yeah. So, the, the, which there's a lot of like, there's a strong Catholic labor movement history, just like working class Catholics forming unions, um, and like this like a Jesuit and working our like labor politics kind of history there um not gonna go into that what? um right, but yeah. but there's a connection there um mm -hmm. so the official like the labor movement in australia starts in 1855 with a stonemason walkout in sydney and then in 1886 uh there's a general strike in melbourne um after which they uh uh institutionalized the eight-hour workday so like eight-hour workday in australia came to australia um, I think that's a few years before it did in the U.S. Um, because they walked out, all the stonemasons walked out who were building things like Flinders Street Station and stuff. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, the thing that's interesting about one thing that's interesting about Australian labor movement versus like the U.S. and European labor movements is there's like very little influence from Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels. Like all European philosophers weren't really like influential in australia um probably because of the literacy rate at the time that's a lot of that um but also because so a lot of the like introduction of ideas is from america and it's these like american utopian socialists who are moving to australia in search of like the perfect place to build their utopia um mm -hmm. australia was viewed as like this working man's paradise um because of like the 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 limited like numbers right the fact that like more people there were workers than other places right you don't have like as much of a ruling class to fight against you just have the the like the the underachieving third children of british lords are like the ruling class right and then you have all of these poor 
in, like enslaved workers amongst the convicts and the recently released convicts and such. Um, right. Probably the most interesting character in that era of like the utopian socialist is William Lane. Uh, he was born in the UK, lived in Canada, and then went to Australia. And he thought like went to Australia to found his socialist utopia. Um, he f- came up like he he found that Australia wasn't the perfect place for it because everyone was too drunk and uh, and too into like dancing and having fun and playing sports <laughs> and things. um and so (laughs) so he gathered up a group of like the most boring people he could and they all went to uh uruguay to found the colony of new australia but there was a problem william lane was a racist as well as a teetotaling socialist and new australia had basically two rules the two rules are like no drinking and uh no interracial marriages (laughs) Okay. And, uh, yeah. Uh, it New Australia like, sounds like it would it would be hard to maintain. Yeah, it took about six months for it to fall apart. Uh, <laughs> That's ages. <laughs> like for living in the jungle in Uruguay, yeah. Um, half of the colony left, moved to the other side of the river and started their own like New Australia too that allowed alcohol and intermarriage uh, between races. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Come to New Australia. It's like oh. old Australia, but not old Australia. It's like old. It's not like old <laughs> New Australia. It's like old Australia. It's like honestly, we would go back to Australia, but we don't have a boat. And yeah, anything's <laughs> um, better than New Australia, though. Yeah, they. I'm pretty sure. I don't. This could be wrong. I think if I remember right, there was. He also was like anti cricket, and like kept getting mad at people like setting up cricket matches in New Australia. It's just like the what, worst what way to build guy's... a colony out of Australians totally. is like no cricket, no drinking. <laughs> and like Yeah. I guess it was just like get rid of like distractions, right? Or something like that. Yeah, but but, I mean, but it, it just comes across as like I don't like these things. So in the, these things in, like, aren't the 18... happening. This is like the 1870s, I think. Like, what what else is there if you're like no sports yeah. and no alcohol, and we're gonna all build a utopia? Like, what does that mean? Um, Everybody's just gonna knuckle down and get shit done in New Australia. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so in response to the the problem, well, it's a problem for the the ruling class of of the colony, is that mm-hmm. uh, that the labor force can just go on strike and ask for what they want um the uh they start to bring in um chinese labor and Mm -hmm. uh and also pacific islanders kanakas is what they're referred to as this is like when like blackbirding and that whole um slavery by other names sort of process comes in and like you know taking a bunch of aboriginal people to work on in the sugarcane fields um all of that uh it's like a way it, you know it's like a coordinated thing to to in order to because the the white your white workers are um asking for a better living so you bring in yeah. people who don't speak english and um right yeah um that is kind of the the origin of labor movements unions and, and eventually the australian labor party um mm-hmm. generally being in favor of 
a ban of an overall ban on non-white immigration to Australia. Um, right. And that's the start of it. it starts with a, like a self-defense for like protecting their workers' rights, and eventually, um, you just get used to the racism. Um, yeah, it's still <laughs> very much alive and flourishing now. <laughs> exactly like that. It's yeah. wild. Yeah, so, so okay, so continuing with the history, uh, Australia, the Australian Labor Party, the ALP, is the first uh, labor party in the world they, uh, before the UK or New Zealand founded theirs. Um, they were able to form a government in 1904 and had a majority by 1910. Um, the actual, like, first, first labor parties were was the Queensland Labor Party, and in Queensland, the that was 1891, I think. Let's see, I have... Okay, so they consider the founding to be when they uh, they read the Labor Manifesto aloud under a ghost gum tree that they named the Tree of Knowledge in Barkeldean, yeah, in Barkeldean, Queensland, uh, during a sheep shearing strike in 1882. That's like the official start of the Labor Party. So was that? So yeah. so like Jumba. <laughs> what was the what Jumba? Like a once a jolly swag man, I don't know. <laughs> this probably isn't really thinking. It sounds very me. like, like you know, drummer and yeah. I don't know what what comparison I'm drawing here. Just like <laughs> it's the gum tree aesthetic of Australia. Yeah, like, the ghost gum and the um, yeah sheep shearing strike and everything there. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's like the kind of history i guess we were taught in like primary school and stuff you just read like some children's book about like there was a dude who just like camped under a tree for ages and ate food out of a, a billy can and that was pretty much what it was like up until now now that we have computers <laughs> so that whole narrative fits in so well with the aesthetic of <laughs> There was Ned <laughs> Kelly, and then then you had computers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe I was interpreting it um, a bit more simply than what it was meant to be. But, but as far as I'm concerned, that's, that's after after the first lead, that that's kind of sounds like what, what they're trying yeah, I mean, to get us to believe happened. <laughs> Thought it would be nice in the snow and ice of dear old London town. He'd don a bowler hat like aristocrats, throw away his billy. He'd walk real proud through the London crowd in the streets of Piccadilly singing. Sha la 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 billy billy bong. Sha la 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 billy billy bong. A jolly swagman sailed across the brine. He chucked his swag for a Gladstone bag and gave up grog for wine. <laughs> I mean, with U.S. history, there is a solid 60 years we skip entirely. And, like, yeah, it's, I think it's, like, I want to say, like, oh, well, because not much happened. But, like, it maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. We learned, like, the revolution, and then we learn the Civil War. Well, we learned the revolution, and then we learned all of the things that caused the civil war. We learned, like, and then we took over Texas, and then California, and then Oregon, and, uh, you know, all that stuff. And then the civil war happens, and then we learn, and then, like, the civil war's over with the president being killed, and, like, 
and then you just skip ahead to World War One. Right. It's like you got like yeah, like sixty years just immediately following like a major bloodbath and then the president like, being killed. Stuff happened. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't have just happened. gone over it didn't just go over smoothly. What? Like what? <laughs> Everyone just readjusted to the new life. Yeah, they're like, oh, and okay. Things are relatively was... chill until World War One. And we didn't want to get involved, and it was all Europe's fault anyway. And then, uh, yeah. and then there was World War Two. <laughs> yeah. And again, we didn't want to get involved, and it was all their fault anyway. And uh, <laughs> there's no way that most Americans were in favor of Hitler until until we got attacked by them and had to join in. Yeah, um, yeah. you guys hated that guy, right? Day one. Yeah, everyone totally hated that guy. People in America <laughs> loved Jews before then. <laughs> um, okay, so finishing up the sort of just general history of the Labor Party, mm-hmm. um, Chris Watson's first prime minister under Labor, I don't think I had that much about him. Oh, I did, okay. Um, he wasn't officially a legal British subject, he was actually born in Chile to German parents, so he was not. But they didn't find out about that until after he was prime minister, so it was all good. Um, and a quote here describing him from uh, Billy Hughes, which is uh, says, Mr. Watson, the new prime minister, entered the room and seated himself at the head of the table, and all eyes were riveted on him. He was going. He was worth going miles to see. He had dressed for the part. His Van Dyke beard was exquisitely groomed. His abundant brown hair smoothly brushed. His morning coat and vest set off by dark striped trousers, beautifully creased and shyly revealing the kind of socks that young men dream about, and shoes to match. (laughs) (laughs) He was the perfect picture of a statesman, of a leader. (laughs) What kind of socks do you dream about, Jacob, when you're dreaming of socks at night? (laughs) I don't know if I've ever dreamed of socks. Uh, Yeah, no, I don't think socks have ever popped up in my subconscious either. Giant socks that are consuming me. Um, <laughs> uh, man, uh, that was a quote from Billy Hughes, who was also a prime minister. He was a prime minister during World War One. Um, Labor Party. Do you know about him? I don't. No, it doesn't sound like a very prime ministerial name, Billy Hughes. Okay. Billy Hughes is worth going in on for a bit. Um, I'm gonna yeah. share a picture of him. That's Billy Hughes. Um, Oh my god, he does not look like a Billy Hughes either. He looks like a I, Richard Gale. That was the first thing that came into my mind when I saw that. Like a he just, Richard Gale. He just looks to me like a, a cartoon of an Australian person from that time period. Like, yeah, I, I guess he does look... He looks weathered. He looks like he's been out in the sun and he can't really handle it. Yeah, this that's, is that's like... That's a pretty Australian look. This is, yeah, British person exposed to the sun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's probably like 40. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gosh. yeah, he's, tw- he's 25 <laughs> in this photo. Um, Youngest ever prime minister. <laughs> uh, so Billy Hughes represented six political parties during his career. Uh, he was the leader <laughs> of five of them. He outlived four of them and was expelled from three of them. <laughs> Um, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Just Billy loves politics, obviously. Yeah. Well, he also is just really like uncontroversial and always making friends everywhere he goes. Uh, his last <laughs> political party he was part of was the Australia Party, which here's a poster of theirs um, for the listeners. It reads United, uh, United White Free 
prosperous the australian party what it stands for that's who was the graphic designer on that poster the what going over tasmania like it just move it slightly across or down a bit it doesn't <laughs> uh it just also just the font choices and then like the black like the white on black thing it just looks so evil yeah right doesn't it <laughs> the, anything called like the australian anything is something to avoid <laughs> oh gosh so yeah billy hughes is a real like uh he i mean he was the um founder of the current national party like the liberal national coalition that scott morrison is the right. leader of now yeah, he's the founder of the National Party. Um, he was uh, the biggest, like, I think he might have written the white Australia poli policy. Well, the policy in itself is a crude attempt to limit the influx of foreign people into the country. That in itself is good. Oh, well, uh, no, I don't think it's fair. I think that... Uh when, you know, different countries that make good citizens, yes. that they should be admitted to the country. Don't you think so? Now, why did you think it, why do you think it sprang up? Oh, well, I don't know. I suppose to leave, uh, to keep white Australia a white race, don't you think? But do you think this is uh, wise or political, the, uh, politic at the moment? No, in a way I don't think so, because uh, there's plenty of, plenty of deserving countries, you know, that should be what do, you, what, here? Yeah, what do you think the picture of Australia is in Asian countries through this white Australia policy? Oh, well, I, I think that resent it, don't you? Um, right. Do I think? Yeah. <laughs> Probably not a fantastic dude. Yeah, there's a... Uh, they, they make Billy... Or they used to make Billy Hughes doorstops that, like, somehow seem racist, even though they're of a white guy. <laughs> um, it's just dog. like... They're just like caricatures of, of his... Look, I don't know, like... Apparently they used to have them as like the doorstop at every police station. Um, right. Okay. So he was kind of like a bit of a joke. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. He's like the mascot of like, yeah, of like working class white Australia, um, of like early twentieth century tradies. It's <laughs> um, <laughs> a fucking huge joke. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay, so getting into now the actual like split that we're going to talk about, the 1955 split. Uh -huh. um, okay. So the split that happens in 55 is over, um, it's like the sort of Red Scare stuff, right? Like over fears of communists invading Australia. Um, okay. So some background there. Uh, there used to be a free trade party in Australia. There's so many political parties in Australia. It's kind of ridiculous. Like, it's... <laughs> Like, I, it's, I'm kind of envious of it because we only have two and they both are terrible and we never get to, like, have a third one. But yeah, I don't really envy your, like, hundred parties. <laughs> yeah. Have, have you seen, like, a, a like a voting ballot paper here at all? I, I don't know, know if I have, no. <laughs> They're pretty, pretty hilarious. There's, like, you don't know any of this shit exists until, like, you have to vote. And there's like there's like the like the hunting and fishing party and like there's the there's the sex party which always fucking gets me every single time which it's oh. if civil liberties are important to you then vote for the australian sex party because as much as we like sex authorized by robbie swan australian sex party canberra and there's always like a, a an audiment to vote for them in to get what mm -hmm. you actually want to vote kind of 
to the top of yeah, the Yeah, and, and they can, priority. like, trick you, right? Like, you could give your vote to yeah. someone who then, like, reassigns it to Yeah, yeah, else. totally. And the, like the Cl- names could Clive be Clive Palmer did that, right? Yeah, yeah. He's got, I don't, I can't remember what his party is, but it's got some, like, I think it's got, like, some nice name. It's not all about money. It's about life and enjoying life. Well, there's, like, um, there's, like, the, this is not an example of, there's, like, the, um, Animal Justice Party, which is actually Mm -hmm. for animal justice, but so I think there's a couple in there that are, like, they have names like that, and then they just fall something completely fucking different. It's awful, you know. The the Animal Justice Party, which our main platform is, uh, ban Cambodians from Australia. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And set up camps for the Laotians. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're just going under, like, a a totally, it's a ruse. Essentially. I heard that. I think this did the sex. I think the sex party might have changed their name recently. I don't. I don't know. I don't follow it as damn thing about them. Yeah. They might have. Uh, I think they changed to the sensible centrist party, <laughs> which is just so embarrassing. Um, yeah, that that does blow. I mean, if you want a party, the best name in the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, most of my Australian politics, like information comes via the Bunta Vista podcast um, uh, gladly yeah. gladly give a plug for it you listen to them at all? Yeah. I have not but I have heard of, of it them yeah. it podcast it yeah. people them yeah uh, they're pretty fun they, they, they used to be more Australian politics and now they're more just like fun animal stories <laughs> right um, what we just, need right now it's way more entertaining and than just like uh guess who's racist today or like guess who's <laughs> anti-gay today <laughs> um, yeah well i mean yeah. i feel like we've got we've got a lot of parallels there with our oh. i mean obviously american politics and australian politics a lot of parallels but that's yeah. definitely something that that we both get a lot of is listen to the stupid fucking thing that this person said today, which is awful and also dumb. Yeah, and, and it's it's um, it's and they wonder why, like, yeah, our our confidence in it is at an all time low. Um, mm. I saw a recent poll that was, I think it was the UK, but it was like trust in media and like amongst. L- self-described leftists it was at 15 percent and amongst like self-described conservatives it was at like 25 (laughs) percent it's like all right right. we're living through the best times (laughs) yeah those are some large numbers i've seen some numbers in my times and 15 and 25 out of 100 pretty fucking big yeah um Okay, so there was a free trade party. They rebranded as the anti-socialist party. There was a protectionist party, and they split off with from their coalition with the Australian Labor Party um, for beer for fear of being branded as socialists or communists. Um, and then the whole political scene is like kind of a mess for a long time. It's basically there's an argument over amongst amongst the working class parties, like not the like ones that are more representing like the British Crown, but but mm-hmm. like the ones representing the people there's there's a debate basically over like how nationalist how racist how anti-communist do you need to be um and so there's there's a whole slew of parties for a while that trade places um and accuse each other of being communists <laughs> out of um out of this scene comes uh there's a, a thing called the movement um 
So that's uh, what we're going to get into. Uh, first off, there's, there is a Communist Party of Australia, right? I, I don't know if there is anymore, but there was at the time. Um, they were started no during the Second World War, I think. And they um, they had an explicit goal of, you know, they like their plan was like, well, we're going to get people from our party into the Australian labor unions. We're going to like talk to working people, talk to tradies about communism. And then, uh, and, and eventually like, you know, maybe turn Australia into that communist utopia that, that you dreamed of. Um, From the day when the Communist Party was founded in Australia, they have always said that the real objective of industrial action, of power in the trade unions, was political power to overthrow the government of democratic states. By 1945, they did have people in leadership in most unions in Australia, which then the... and. Uh, let's see, which then the, uh, in, by 1953, the industrial unions sort of reacted to that by changing their structures. They don't really allow newcomers to take any sort of leadership positions. They become extremely secretive and protective and hierarchical. Um, and that's, that's under a thing called the industrial groups, um, which will come up again later. Um, Anyway, the Labour Party leadership was like afraid of the Australian Communist Party gaining power, and so they changed the structure of the unions in a lot of ways. Um, a guy enter. Um, we're gonna have two sort of main characters for the split. The first of whom is Bartolome uh, Santa Maria, who <laughs> this is something I love about Australians. <laughs> he just gets called Bob th throughout the rest of this, even by historians. <laughs> Because <laughs> we can't. What, what was his first name? Bartolome. Bartolome is Italian. Yeah, right. Never heard that name. <laughs> well, you can call I should know. Are you? Is your family Italian? My mom's Italian. Yeah. Yeah. How long have they been in Australia? The Italian side of the family. Um, my mom's parents came to Australia in like the fifties. Okay. I think there were yeah, quite a few, quite a few Italians around then. Yeah, yeah. There was, especially like in Melbourne, particularly in Brunswick, in that sort of area. Bartolome Santa Maria, Bob Santa Maria. Um, I love it. So his, his family moved to Victoria from Italy um, before he was born. He's born in Melbourne in 1915 and attended. <laughs> Uh, St. Ambrose Catholic School in Brunswick. Right. Is that a familiar place to you at all? Uh, it is not, but I mean, like I said, a lot of wogs in Brunswick. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I, do I have to censor that for an American audience? Or oh, maybe, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm probably not. In Australia, if you're a wog, you're allowed to call, you're allowed to say wog, but oh, maybe okay, it's different. Yeah. Actually, it cool. probably means something completely different there, right? So. No one in America uses it or or knows the term. I don't think, but right. I bet anyone who I bet it would get censored on t on TV here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I don't think it, I think it would probably get censored on Australian TV too. Oh, okay, gotcha. I never really got a a, a, a keen sense of that because like like Ben would just throw it around, and I was like, oh, Ben's as Anglo as they come, and. <laughs> it's yeah i don't know it's kind of it's kind of a weird one i mean <laughs> i think it's i don't know i don't really know the okay i don't know how it works 
All I know is that I say wog all the time because I'm a wog. So. I don't know yeah. why. I, I don't think it's okay that Ben says it. <laughs> okay. He, he probably would say it in a quiet voice under under his breath to me. So I think that probably tells you everything you need to know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do remember uh, one of the tradies I worked with uh, at the at the open, just tossing it around at at a couple of the Greek guys that worked there too. Um, yeah. But... Try to think of like a, another word that it would kind of. I don't know. It's it's, it's not, just it's not quite the N word. What the uh, N word is here in the U.S. Nah, it, yeah. it's very. I think it's pretty far from that. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Okay. Best um, to just get rid of it. Yeah, sure. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's not not part of my vocabulary. I'm sure there's. There's things that are that, well, okay. In terms of the weird thing, like things that Americans just think are normal with Australia, is that everyone here learns Ayers Rock instead of Uluru. Yeah. And, and I don't think people in the U.S. would know what you were talking about if you said Uluru. Uh, 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 there's probably a few things like that where it's just like. I don't yeah, know. well, there's a lot of there's a lot of people here that that know it as that as well and wouldn't. It's kind of something that you have to kind of switch over to you know like okay. it's it's not okay it wouldn't be okay in in brunswick um to gotcha, say yeah. airs rock you know people would would think that you were a certain mm. way yeah in uh i mean here there's there's always controversies over the names of places here and like yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of squaw peak or squaw creek across the western u.s Okay. Um, what squ- what does squaw mean? Um, squaw is like, I don't know if it's Chinook jargon or what. Anyway, it's I don't know what like native esque language it comes from. It could be mm-hmm. Cherokee or 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 Chinook, just like one of the the common like languages yeah. that's just sort of applied to all the native people. Um, yeah. Regardless of whether or not they ever spoke it, um, it means like uh, like concubine, like like woman i own <laughs> yeah um, yeah and so like there's a lot of places with that name um or like there's like people call pike minnows which is a fish they call them squawfish because it's like oh it's the trash fish that's easy to catch right <laughs> well if that's i just i only know that word from peter pan it's in peter pan yeah, uh, Peter Pan's yeah a good source of <laughs> of those. Um, but yeah, there's always like you know a controversy over like oh we should change the name of this and it's like and people are like oh why and uh, yeah and you're like mostly it's like yeah. well because because that's like from a language that no one here ever spoke so like mm. like <laughs> you could just make it more local I don't know because there's a dozen Squaw Peaks and it's not like, that interesting of a name I don't. You know, yeah, whatever. Right. Um, all right, back to to Bob Santa Maria. Um, he uh, okay, he graduated from University of Melbourne. Um, oh, while he was at the university there, he uh, he wrote a paper in support of uh, Francisco Franco in Spain. Uh, that's fun. Um, oh, who? Francisco Franco in Spain, like the fascist dictator of Spain in the thirties. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, pretty cool. Um, 
Uh, he dodged military service in World War II, and then he also got his kids out of serving in Vietnam, uh, despite his vocal support of both of those wars. Um, <laughs> uh, not trying to paint him as a villain, but there's no heroes in this story. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, so this is this is Bob Santa Maria. I only have a small picture of him, but that's him. Um, Wait, this guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Classic. Looks like a smooth dude. Yeah. Not Santa Maria. Extremely smooth. Um, so he starts uh, a thing called, well, he starts a, a newspaper called The Catholic Worker, which there was a version of in the U.S., sort of a Dorothy Day. Um, uh -huh. The Australian version of it was a little more nationalist, but either way. Um, He's, he basically is promoting social conservatism among workers and farmers. So he's like not fully uh, like he's like he has a critique of capitalism, but yeah. he also thinks that like most of the people who critique capitalism, the socialists, the communists, the labor unions um, are not like socially conservative enough. Right. With like their views on sexuality and, you know, abortion, contraceptives, all right. that stuff. Um, uh -huh women's role in the household um he starts a thing called the uh Ca national catholic rural movement and then another thing called the catholic social studies movement which jointly mm -hmm. we're going to just refer to as the movement um okay. movement catholics are like mobilized as volunteers to win elections for labor party uh candidates throughout especially victoria um, mm -hmm. And then movement Catholics are extremely anti-communist um, because communists okay. are anti-religion and especially hierarchy in religion. The Catholics are, are quite opposed to them. Um, mm -hmm. So Bob Santa Maria, he becomes this form of like power broker within the Victorian uh, ALP, um, but all, and then like nationally as well, but primarily in Victoria. Um, mm -hmm. So the left-wing members of the ALP and the Protestants really don't like that at all. Um, and then also just people who don't like Italians uh, are also not a big <laughs> fan of this. Um. Yeah, I'm sure there were, there were a few of those. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, among the people that like he sort of had, like he was sort of the puppet master of, are the General Secretary of the Australian Workers' Union, uh, mm -hmm. the number two man in the Victorian ALP, Frank McManus, uh, the number two man in the New South Wales Labour Party, Jay Kane, and the secretary of the Australian Rules Football Association of Queensland. Um, those <laughs> are his sort of top lieutenants. Was he, uh, was he like, kind of popular? Or? Um, I mean, like, he, he's like a kingmaker of sorts. I think within Catholic circles, he's very popular. And he's like, yeah. kind of a... a a rich lawyer guy um right. with connections to to like the i think connections to the vatican in some ways but um wow yeah i i and the guy in charge of the the footy in queensland liked him so um <laughs> that's it um uh and then so in opposition to him we have uh dr h v evett so evett's a bit older uh, his family were Irish Protestants um, with a history of military service to the British Empire in, in India and in Malaysia and other places like that. Um, 
he was born in in Sydney or no, he's born in rural North South Wales somewhere. I don't didn't write it down. Anyway, he grew up mm-hmm. on the North Shore in Sydney. Um, his family's house was was demolished to build the Harbour Bridge. So he's like from there. Um, being like Irish Protestant is like you know really obvious set up for not liking the Catholic side of your party. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so. Okay, he got a law degree and doctorate from the University of Sydney. Um, he didn't fight in either of the world wars, but it was because of his eyesight they they didn't want him. Um, and then uh, at the age of 36 in 1930, he became the youngest ever high court judge in Australian history. Um, 36. He, yeah, 36 years old, and he was on the high court. Um, uh Evett is responsible for bringing back international cricket after World War II. Like in 1946, like they didn't want to start doing the the Ashes cricket matches again mm-hmm. too soon. Um, but he talked talked them all into it, insisted on it. Was like the liaison to London at the time. And... <laughs> he was like, "Come on, guys, remember cricket? Come on, yeah. come on, what, what about else? it? <laughs> what else is there to yeah. live for? I mean." Um, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Uh, he became one of the first uh, secretary generals of the United Nations in 1948-49, during which time he drafted the uh, Universal Declaration of Human Rights alongside Eleanor Roosevelt. So, uh, mm-hmm. cool dude. These two great principles, fellow delegates, cannot be separated. You cannot have permanent peace or a real peace, unless it's based on justice. And those two ideas are basic to the United Nations Charter and our organization. I, I try not to pick sides in these things, but I think I'm slightly more on his side. Although he goes, he kind of snaps and gets really paranoid later on, so. <laughs> <laughs> unfit, mentally unfit for the role. Yeah. Uh, so he becomes the leader of the sort of left wing of the Labour Party, the Socialists in the Labour Party, which obviously mm-hmm. makes him a suspect of being a, a communist under control, like under Soviet control, um, mm-hmm. which really blows up in what's known as the Petrov Affair. Uh, is that something you remember at all from history classes if they taught it or something you know about? No. Cool, like I cool. said, so that, wasn't present. Yeah. So the the Petrov affair, I don't, I mean, I don't know if they teach it at all. They don't teach the cool stuff usually. Um, yeah. Uh, the Petrov affair is a really neat little story. It's probably the most interesting bit of this whole document I have here. It's a okay. Okay, so Soviet diplomat Vladimir Petrov uh, was dif- like following the death of Stalin in 1953. He wanted out, and he was like wanted to defect to Australia and get Australian citizenship not go back to the Soviet Union while there were people, you know, it's kind of chaos. Khrushchev hasn't taken over yet. It's like, um, who knows who's going to get axed in the process of figuring out who's in charge. Mm -hmm. Um, He, uh, so he's a, he's a secretary in the Russian embassy in Canberra. um, And for a couple of years, he had been groomed by ASIO agents um, for American listeners, this ASIO is like the FBI, but in Australia. Um, 
That that sound right? They're like the CIA, FBI, whatever. Um, um yeah, sure. Let's go with that. Okay. Um ASIO agents had been um you know, taking him to parties, getting him connected with a bunch of cocaine and prostitutes and stuff. Um all this stuff to convince him to hand over any secrets he had and in exchange for Australian citizenship. Um, yeah. So so he had agreed to like defect from the Soviet Union to become an Australian. Um but he didn't tell his wife. <laughs> and so uh his wife, Evadokia Petrov, she didn't know what was going on, and so once it was her husband sort of announced publicly that he was defecting, she was like hesitant, didn't want to do it because she thought it was gonna put her whole family at risk back in Russia, that like they were gonna be mm-hmm. like round rounded up and sent to the gulag for for treason. Um, uh-huh. and that's a fair worry yeah <laughs> right it's the sort of thing you should it tell is, your wife it sounds about like the kind of thing you should talk about you should talk through as a married yeah, this, couple this isn't a relationship advice podcast but uh you can take that one from us is that uh if you're going <laughs> to commit some treason talk to your your wife your girlfriend your boyfriend talk to them about it first uh, <laughs> sound advice uh, i reckon yeah uh so kgb agents moved in like showed up in canberra and rushed her to uh or maybe it was in sydney anyway rushed her to get on a plane on april 19th 1954 uh this becomes like a big spectacle violence breaks out around the airport um there's like journalists getting photos of of evidokia being sort of like dragged by the kgb agents and probably putting those on the front page there's like crowds of anti-russia anti-communist protests who are just like throwing shit and stuff and like yeah it gets kind of kind of nuts for a bit um cool but they do get her on a plane and then the plane has to stop and refuel in darwin and at which point uh azio agents uh, intercept them and capture evidokia and take and uh sort of give her the ultimatum and she decides that she's gonna stay in australia um uh, big affair is a huge falling out between Australia and Russia so the Russians shut down their embassy in Canberra and the Australians shut down their embassy in Moscow um, send everybody home and uh, I don't do they have, I'm sure they have embassies now but it's probably shut down until like 1991 mm. um, yeah um, so this I don't, uh, I don't think they would do that in, in school I don't think that would be hmm. something that would be discussed. I think the close. I mean, there. I keep bringing up American parallels. The closest we have are the 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 Rosenbergs. See, this is how well it was taught. It was taught in American schools, but it's not taught very well. Who, mm-hmm. I think, as I can't even remember, is like were they Juliet and Ethel Rosenberg? Were they real spies or were they accused of being spies? Man, I should know this. I'm about to like start a master's in history and i can't even tell you that um (laughs) pretty sure they're the ones who gave the plans for the atomic bomb to the russians right (laughs) watch that documentary and i'll cut this if it's wrong oh nice wait can we just pause for a second in exchange for his citizenship and protection uh petrov hands over documents which are still classified that imply a 
at least from what we're told, imply a vast network of Soviet spies within Australia. Um, and now, and then a royal commission is like called to investigate all this. Um, mm-hmm. So where labor leader H.V. Evett um, pursues an aggressive line of questioning against the ASIO agents about like the validity of all this stuff. And he mm-hmm. even then reads a letter to himself from that he got from the Soviet ambassador that uh, says that it's all fake and there's no big spy network. Um, he ends up being barred from all future proceedings of that commission as a result <laughs> um, for daring to question uh, the official narrative about all this. Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, there are a f- there are a few true things, right? Like from from what I've read, and I haven't dove into this extensively, but um, mm-hmm. H.V. Evitt's press secretary, um, Fergan O'Sullivan, was passing information on to the Australian Communist Party, not to the Soviets, but like to Australian communists. Um, one of his main advisors was the son of a communist writer, um, and that guy was accused of giving secrets to his mom, but like, what the fuck? Like, even if his mom is a communist, like, is she giving those, is she just like DMing Stalin with like, what she's yeah, hearing? Yeah. yeah, like, what the fuck? Like, what's, what's his mom's, what, what's the deal with the mom? You know, yeah, is she, is she is some sort of super spy? Like, she's just like an academic, I think, who wrote about communism, like. I've just got like the most mum image in my head of like just, just <laughs> yeah. someone's mum. They're just like, yeah, just telling her all these like fucking top secret things, and she's just like, cool. Yeah, just like sure. complaining about work to your mom on the phone, and she's yeah, yeah. Apparently oh, by the way. Re- relaying that to the KGB. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. It's from what we know and again this is all like still classified i wouldn't be that surprised if they declassify it in a few years and it turns out like it's all like there's like nothing really there um, yeah but the australian from what we know and has been confirmed the australian communist party did have like four people with direct ties to russia most of that during world war ii um when you know they were your allies <laughs> um well sounds like a pretty low number yeah yeah for for a a whole country yeah (laughs) Um, yeah but i guess no one's really like you know desperate for for the the australian involvement in things right (laughs) (laughs) like Like, you think like at moscow they're just like yeah four that seems fine (laughs) yeah let's just do four somebody's like maybe we should they're like no no four's enough come on we don't budget let's think budget We've got one it's guy Australia. in the docks in Sydney. We've got one guy with the sheep shearing union. Uh, we're probably yeah, yeah. good. Like, <laughs> got the guy yeah. that was at that the gum tree thing. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's all we need. We got a guy yeah, in Tasmania who's just he's just kind of doing his thing. We were. And really there's one guy that just like lives out on the bite somewhere and and just surfs all the time and occasionally tells us yeah, what's yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, and he just kind of like makes stuff up on the day. And they're like, "What do you got for us?" And he's just like, "Fuck, I just, <laughs> I've just been out shredding the gnaw." <laughs> just uh, intercepting communications between humpback whales. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, 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 "Oh man, I don't know. Things are just chill up here. It's in Queensland. We're just hanging just, ten. Yeah, we're just uh, uh, crushing cones. I, I believe is it. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> Bro, we're just crashing. <laughs> What'd you say? 
Did I say crack? Is that correct? Crushing turns. Yeah, that crushing turns. Crushing. That is I'm, correct. I'm probably wrong. Okay. Um, yeah. Were you? Did you guys spend time in smoking Queensland heaps you? of weed? No, we didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we we went yeah. to Sydney and just around like the south coast there of New South Wales, mm-hmm. and a little bit out into the right. Blue Mountains. Yeah. Honestly, when I look at a map, I'm like, oh, I saw like a tiny bit of Australia. And, yeah, uh, same. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Have you been to... I, I remember Kyle hadn't even been to Sydney. Like, Well, actually, we went to Sydney like a few months ago. A okay, couple cool. months ago, just before. But yeah, that was. I was like, when I was in Sydney, I'm just like, what the... He- I've like never been here. <laughs> this is like the <laughs> only other place, really. You know? <laughs> Yeah, Australians uh, don't. A lot of Australians don't really fucking bother to go. But have you been to like Southeast Asia? I actually, yeah. I mean, I've been to like a little bit of, but yeah, like you always just like when you go on when you're going somewhere, it's like you're gonna go to another country, even though there's just so much fucking different shit going on here for some reason. Just like, I also just like in my mind, I'm just like I don't know, like leave it to the tourists. Like the tourists (laughs) want to do that shit. Like I don't want to take up numbers here. Like. What am I gonna do? Get a van and go across Australia like a British backpacker? No. <laughs> go look at the uh, the red sand and. Um... Yeah, I actually I did go to Uluru like a couple of years ago, and I was like, holy fucking shit, this is like totally different. Like I knew that obviously, but like this mm. is definitely something that you you should probably see if you live in Melbourne, just to see just how different things mm. can be in Australia. Yeah. At least visually, if not anything else. No, I've I've only ever been to the east coast of the US once. Like to went You're to right. Washington DC and like my family's from there, but you know. Oh shit. They come visit I'm out just here. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like I'm just gonna get on like the longest fucking plane ride I could possibly take and go to Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> Australia. <laughs> I've been around the world a couple of times and maybe more Seen the sights, I've had delights on every foreign shore But when my mates will ask me the place that I had all I tell them right away What do we tell them? Give me a home among the gum trees With lots of plum trees A sheep, a two, a kangaroo A clothesline out the back Veranda out the front and an old rocking chair You can see me in the kitchen Cooking up a roast Or Vegemite on toast Just you and me, a cup of tea Later on we'll settle down Yeah, and come and visit any time you want If it's legal to visit And, and if it's <laughs> safe and reasonable <laughs> but. I reckon it will become legal Before it becomes safe and reasonable <laughs> <laughs> Yeah <laughs> judging by our understanding of law yeah um yeah okay let's let's finish this thing out um okay. i i i think i did correctly predict this would be a, a somewhat boring topic but it's okay um i like it okay cool so after um the whole inquiry around the petrov affair most of the country sees uh the the labor party as like secret communists um, mm-hmm. So in 1954, they lose the an election pretty badly. Um, it's believed that uh, Robert Menzies, the leader of the Liberal Party at the time, timed the whole defection like t- with ASIO, like planned the whole thing in order to win this election and just destroy Labor's credibility. 
Um, right. The release of MI5 files related to the case indicates the head of ASIO at the time, Charles Spry, told British agents he was concerned about the opposition leader, Dr HV Everts, communist links. Historian David McKnight says Spry's conduct highlights the deferential relationship Australia had with Britain in the 1950s. I think it was quite wrong for someone in his position essentially to undermine a, a Labor government, a possible Labor government, and to talk in that frank way. And then, but also like H.V. Evatt did a pretty good job himself of crushing his own good standing from being like UN Secretary General to being guy who's, you know, screaming about how he's not a real, com- how he's not a communist and it's all a lie. Um <laughs> like he could have played it cool um anyway uh so at a conference at a sydney bookstore in october 5th 1954 uh he makes this grand declaration of who's to blame for losing this election and declares that some members of his own party are disloyal to the leadership and the ideals of labor um particularly bob santa maria and all those loyal to him um he refers to them all as as the groupers uh, which they're known as the movement, but he calls them the groupers. And uh, he says they're all out to undermine him personally, in addition to undermining like socialist politics in the Labour Party. Uh, the groupers. The groupers, the big fish. Um, yeah, is that is it a fish reference or is it like a... I like think it's from the industrial labor groups or something, but right. I don't know. Okay. There's a group of there's a group Not of people that don't like me. We'll call them the groupers. Um, yeah, uh, Victorian Land Minister Holt. Uh, I have a quote here from him. Uh, so he published this like letter in the Sydney Morning Herald that said. Uh, my criticism is not personal. It is leveled against those ideas which are contrary to what I believe labor policy to be. Moreover, I have been requested by my numerous and trusted friends who happen to be Catholic to fight against the influence of Mr. Santa Maria and those he represents when he seeks to implement his ideas through an abuse of political move of a political movement designed to serve a truly political purpose. Um, so he's like, even my Catholic friends, which I have a lot of, uh, want me to oust bob santa maria um he says that that guy holt said that he was uh pressured by santa maria to sell uh state land in victoria to wealthy italians and that when he refused (laughs) they started um campaigning against him within the party um the the bishop of sydney at the time made public statements to distance himself from the whole mess and the whole they're saying that the church had nothing to do with this like this isn't about catholics and protestants this is just this is an internal political thing um yeah, bob santa maria what was that this fucking santa maria guy is not us <laughs> yeah. bob. they call him bob <laughs> bartolome uh <laughs> he uh and he he claims that they're just all paranoid and trying to blame other people for losing the right. election um so as a result the victorian uh labor party uh fires the whole executive and replaces them and then at the labor party conference in hobart later that year uh both the previous team that was all fired and the new team show up and you know it, as awkward as that could be um totally <laughs> yeah. um 
And then, uh, let's see, so four more ministers in Victoria were forced to resign for their based on their connections to Santa Maria. The Labour government in Victoria then moved for a vote of no confidence over it and, uh, and ended up having to dissolve their government on the 19th of April, 1955. Um, so basically, by picking this fight with people within their party who, I mean, may have been somewhat complicit in losing this election, but might not have been, um, they end up just destroying any, like, offices they already hold in any of the governments of the states um right uh some several right-wing labor unions lose their party affiliation that's the federated clerks union the shop distributive and allied employees association the federated iron workers association of australia and the amalgamated society of carpenters and joiners um not invited what do you mean i'm not invited that's my corn out there you guys are guests in my corn right H.V. Evett expels the whole, all of the industrial groups from the party. Um, so the ones that were formed to prevent communist infiltration. Um, and so by kicking all these people out of the party, they all join together and they form a thing that initially they call it um, the Australian Labor Party and then in brackets, anti-communist. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, a ragtag group of just mismatched rejects that have just gone yeah. together and chucked in, in brackets on the end of pre-existing thing. Yeah. Uh, a little parenthetical, we're the ones that aren't communists. Um, yeah. Uh, they they changed... They, this. <laughs> uh, they, they later, in 1957, they changed the name to the Democratic Labor Party, which is the DLP. Right. Got a better um, ring to it. Yeah, it's definitely better. Um, they they win uh, twelve seats and then fourteen, uh, twelve and then fourteen percent. Okay, they they run in a few elections. They win around like twelve to fourteen percent of the vote, um, which is like not really enough to gain any seats ever. But and then they redirect all of their votes through the preference voting thing that I'm not gonna explain because I don't fully understand it, but. They redirect mm-hmm. their votes to the uh, to the the coalition, the Liberal National Coalition, just right. to spite just to spite the Labor Party. Yeah, them out. yeah, totally. <laughs> um, and so, as a result, okay, Queensland Labor splits as well over all this same business. Um, New South Wales, their party kept things together for for until 1964. Surprisingly, they like were able to sort of avoid this conflict. Um, but basically as a result of this for two decades the Democratic Labor Party directs the vote share to the coalition and keeps the ALP out of the government um, just even though they in often times have the most votes and uh, uh, yeah and Bob Santa Maria again out of spite oversees this whole thing he's like becomes intent like it makes him his mission up until 1975 to just uh, keep H.V. Evett's Labor Party from ever winning again. Um, right. Seventy. So in 73 is the next time they win, and that's under a more conservative version of the Labor Party. Like, the Labor... Eventually, like, the, they come back together, but it's not because the the Catholic social conservative side of the party 
decided to be okay with the socialists it's because the socialists yeah. lost power and they became a more conservative party um, <laughs> uh, and then there's the 75 constitutional crisis which I was going to do as this episode but it was I don't know equally obtuse and hard to <laughs> understand um, <laughs> just a curiosity is that a thing that is like familiar the seven, 1975 again, constitution sorry. the constitutional crisis of 1975 I mean, I don't think so. Okay. That's when the the governor general dissolved parliament. Right. Uh, um, look, maybe again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't wasn't in uh wasn't taught in my school. <laughs> yeah. Um okay, so yeah, the labor right takes over the party. Uh the disaffiliated unions made several attempts to rejoin and eventually were reinstated by 1993. Uh, and then final notes, H.V. Evett, he died of arteriosclerosis. I don't know what that is. In uh, 1962, months after resigning from his position as a judge at the age of 71. Uh, Bob mm-hmm. Santa Maria, he went on to speak in opposition to Vatican II, right? the reforms in the Catholic Church. I thought that they were losing the path. Um, He welcomed Pope John Paul II, and then he eventually dies of a brain tumor at the age of 82. Uh, And that's and that's our story. That's what I got. Um, Boys, they died in the end. Yeah, everyone eventually dies. It turns out. Everyone just died. (laughs) (laughs) Just caused a bunch of fucking chaos, and they just went and got goddamn brain tumors. Yeah, um, but if you want to know why Australia, I mean, I think of this as like, why did Australia become a more, well, I mean, the start of this episode, the start of this stuff is like the, how did Australia become, not become, but like stay so racist? It's like, well, even the good people that were in favor of like, like the little people, the 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 working class, like didn't mm. want Chinese labor imported or slaves imported to compete with them well i don't i shouldn't think because the colored races when they get into a white country then they um want to intermarry and i don't think it's fair on the children <laughs> and so yeah. steadily there was not a non-racist party to vote for yeah and then uh, well it's most misunderstood overseas uh, i think it has its good points it should be more thoroughly explained to people so they can appreciate the problems involved mm-hmm. rather than just say white australia policy and that's it mm. And then later on, you get like uh, the sort of fear of who is or isn't a communist, or who is too much of a social conservative to be committed to labor unions, uh, just breaks down into just like interpersonal bickering that destroys the labor party for 20 years. Yeah, but we we managed to maintain our, our values as a country about not letting people come in and take our jobs. Yeah. And this is how you end up eventually with uh, Tony Abbott and Scott Morrison, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, all of them, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, oh, shoot. I'm going to blank on her name. Um, Julie Gillard? Yeah, Julie Gillard. Gillard. She was a... Uh, Kind of a highlight, right? 
Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't really know all that much about her. I feel like when she was Prime Minister, I was still, like, pretty young. Well, not really, but <laughs> younger than I am now. Um, but at the time, I was just like, damn, she, like, totally looks different to all the other leaders we've ever had. So I guess that's enough. And then everyone was like, oh, no, she's uh, not... <laughs> Oh, great. Mm, so, so uh, Australian Obama in a way. Um, mm, yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. That'd be a like, good comparison. Makes a lot of people feel good, but if you start doing any digging, it <laughs> stops looking as good as it did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, it oh. starts looking a lot like a lot like the other ones. Yeah, man. <laughs> all the problems persisted. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. She did a cool dance though that everyone got around. Oh, that's great. Because of her doing a funny dance in the 80s. And everyone was like, ah! Oh, she provoked some of the the most insane Tony Abbott quotes as well. I just feel like there's something about, like, having a woman in charge that just completely broke him mentally. That, like, yeah. He, that's just, like, some of the most insane things I've seen a world leader ever say of the, like... <laughs> and, like, you know... Yeah. When women are doing when women are doing the ironing, they don't want to think about carbon taxes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the thing that that shit was only like ten years ago. And Jesus knew uh, that there was a, a place for everything, and and it is not necessarily everyone's place to come to Australia. I was thinking, there's Tony Abbott, I'm going to headbutt him. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a stupid country, but I can say that because I live in a potentially <laughs> stupider one. Yeah, I guess that's something that we all, we, we can all share. Um, the US, England, Australia, etc. It's just like, your country is stupid, but so is mine, <laughs> so. It's, Mine's stupider than yours. Yours is stupider than mine. So it's a, let's it's hold like, hands. You see, in many ways, our two nations are quite similar. The eventual fate—it's like the curse of winning, right? Is like once once you win, like this happened here with like people who were the most committed to to Trump being president, like won and they got their crazy wish that no one thought was going to mm -hmm. happen. And then, like, now they think, like, there are people trying to undermine them and destroy them at all turns. And, like, that actually, yeah. like, there's there's all these, you know, ways that, like, they're like, oh, Oprah Winfrey and Tom Hanks are pedophiles and they're trying to destroy Donald Trump <laughs> via the FBI or whatever. Like, they start just, it's like it's once that. you, yeah, once you get everything you wanted you just lose your mind it's like you get everything you're wanting yeah. and it's you're not and you're still not happy and then you just like go insane <laughs> and uh, is that like the uh the, the q people or whatever yeah yeah <laughs> i see q bumper stickers in in town here you know it's like it's a, oh that shit is fucking wild <laughs> steadily steadily becoming a widespread belief um. I love that. I just I listened to some guy talk about it, some QAnon dude talk about it on this podcast the other day, and just like the shit he was saying was just so fucking funny. Like, there's it, there's nothing beyond that. It's just like it's so funny. You can't even. I couldn't even like pay attention to what he was saying. It's like who cares? Like if what you're fucking, what you believe in is this fucking stupid. 
How can anyone yeah. take any aspect of your thing seriously? And like they start from like a decent place. They're like the CIA and FBI have too much power. And also there's like yeah. all these powerful people who are also like pedophiles and sexual predators and yeah. stuff. And then they like there's this land and babies that they're sucking the juice out of. Well, yeah, they just then, they then they make a jump to like, yeah, they're just like and like I've learned yeah, all yeah. about the secret messages via 4chan and like yeah. And yeah, and it turns out like the every celebrity has already been arrested. They just keep it a secret. Like, yeah, they just let them go about their daily lives. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, like, well, it's like, no, there actually are, like, you know, sexual predators running the world. That's true. The CIA is, like, yeah. sneaky and covering up everything. That's true. And, like, you just, like, take a wrong turn at one point because you have to insist yeah. that, like, and Donald Trump is the good guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's nah. kind of like Scientology or something like that. It's like... Mm -hmm. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> what was that <laughs> last thing you said? That's what the fuck? Yeah, this started as a therapy session and now you're talking to me about aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now we have Thetans. Um, but yeah, I, I really think like with the, the British Empire and then the American Empire and like Australia gets the, the sort of offshoot of it by being part of the same sort of culture. Like you, you watch our movies and TV um, mm. that like we got everything you know like we got the like oh like comfortable life in a prosperous country with like the whole world speaks your language for you and stuff and yeah. and then and then we just went insane <laughs> um, yeah yeah you got it you yeah you literally got it all and then didn't know what the hell to do beyond that step mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah the dog that caught the the dog that caught the garbage truck. That's uh. That's what we are. We're covered in uh, trash. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm gonna call that for the podcast. Um, uh, anything to promote? Like, hey, if you're in Brunswick, go to Still Good. Uh, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, if any listeners live in Brunswick, Melbourne, Australia, please come down to my shop, buy everything, pay cash, preferably. Um, for undisclosed reasons that's, that's my that's my plug now I could spend my holidays on videos galore or lie on the beach getting sorry and sore or I could sail the ocean see another foreign shore well I took my little Kelpie and I sailed another boat And I saw the colour changes from Albany to Broome A pair of white Corellas singing out a tune Wildflowers in bloom And I saw the rusty hammers leaves from a dusty noon. And I saw the giant carries fall You couldn't paint the view Amazing what a crosscut could do I would have liked to have been there before, wouldn't you? Uh, how have you been? What's up in Melbourne? How's uh, how's life there? Um, yeah, it's we're kind of, it's kind of going back to normal now. Um, on Monday, we're allowed to go back to the pub, which is huge, okay. massive milestone around here. 
We've already we've booked a like a six person table for Monday night. Had to get numbers and that you have to like write your name at the door of every oh. place you go into and shit like that, so that they have like a like a record of oh. where you've been and all that. Oh man, here mm. people people would absolutely not write their people would like yeah. Honestly, people would ra- would point a gun at the at the waiter and not sign their <laughs> name on the form. <laughs> <laughs> oh god well there's it's just like there is no no one really gives a shit here about having okay. new stuff like it's just like oh you got we gotta work from home awesome like it's not, like yeah. oh, we can't go to the shops well that's actually kind of nice you know like no okay. one's really kicking up a stink about any of this sort of like forced holiday that we're all taking like i think that's yeah, the yeah. australian way <laughs> and people are but people are probably really ready to go back to the pubs i imagine yeah, that's that's been the one thing I guess that's kind of like arcing people up a bit. It's just not being able to go to the pub, but it's happening a lot faster than what we all thought. So everyone's happy about that. And I learned about the wiles and cry. Bloody thousands die, but they're swimming back to sea. I bet you never heard a more beautiful thing.